He was going to show off for a little while there. But he can do that on the guitar. He can do that on the bass. He can do that on the keyboard. Nobody likes to know it all, but we certainly appreciate it when we need it. So. believe if you need a touch from the Holy Ghost you came to the right place tonight we've had a wonderful day celebrating with our dads this morning and I will tell you this if if you all don't get those bag of diabetes over there I will I mean I'm just uh, to all the ladies and all the people that helped out with that uh, thank you all greatly and uh, Sister Literal said she was going to double up next year we're getting two fried apple pies so that that's not one for dad and one for mom that's two for dad so that's just the way it works so uh, no I appreciate everybody that that contributed and uh, I, I noticed tonight there was more and uh, they brought more in so not more bags but more goodies to go in the bag we got a chance to spend quite a while with the Watts family today normally when they come to our church on whomever the missionary may be on a Sunday morning, they've got to hurry out and be at another service. And he said they've actually got the evening off. He said he cherishes English services whenever he can actually sit in a service and enjoy the message and not have to carry the load or carry the weight. But we got to spend quite a bit of time with them. And Sister Watts said that some of the young ladies course there's a lot of glamour in seeing things like this uh, when you show the big screen and people are baptized and the Holy Ghost is moving and all the fanfare at our missionaries and rightfully so give honor where honor is due they've sacrificed tremendously to go to another country but there's a lot of fanfare and stuff like that and she said some of the ladies young girls young women wanted to know what they needed to know to go on a missions trip we want to go on a missions trip and she said you need to learn how to take a bath out of a bucket you know that's let, let's let's get away from the bucket bath and let talk to me about no 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 if you can't take a bath out of a bucket you don't need to go on a, right and sometimes we glamorize certain things and uh, it, it should be but also at the same time there is a tremendous amount of sacrifice that goes into leaving the good United States and, and moving to another country. And they're making a difference, and their reward is going to be great, and your all's reward is going to be great. Uh, we support them. We're thankful when people come in, uh, our missionaries, to de uh, on debutation, and we can say, hey, we already support them. I know some of you all have gotten with me already and talked to me about adding to the support we give to the Watts family on, on uh, adopting one of the students for a year. And that's, that's a good buy, $100 is a good buy to send a student to school. So, amen, amen. I think it's somewhere our government pays somewhere around $1,300 a year for just a public school education that's saw some statistics 
some time back, and I noticed that it cost, I think it cost our government about $2,400 a month. $2,400, was it $2,400? Maybe $2,400 for a inmate to be in prison and $1,300 for a child to be in school. So uh, a little bit of a difference. I've never been in a courtroom where a lawyer had to represent someone. You all may have. You may have a knowledge of that. I've watched Perry Mason. It's been a year or two back. But I, I noticed that if you are going before a judge, if you are in a legal issue or matter, sometimes you need a professional to represent you. And I've, I've noticed that lawyers know how to represent. They know how to communicate. They know how to talk. They know what to say. Or by the good grace of God, if you ever need one, they will. Uh, they need, need to know how to communicate. They're standing before the judge. They're standing before the jury. They're standing before people, and they're needing to communicate. Have you ever, have you ever been around people that just simply didn't communicate well? Uh, you try to talk to them, but maybe they stumbled a lot over their words. They, they struggled a little bit to structure sentences and, and communicate. Tonight, as I was praying and, and thinking about God, I, I realized he's a communicator, isn't he? Doesn't, doesn't the, the word scream at us that he's a communicator who wants to talk? He wants to communicate with people. He'll even use a donkey if a prophet won't listen. Let me, let me speak through a donkey here for a moment. But he wants to communicate. He used prophets to say what he wanted to say. He used apostles and prophets and teachers and ministers to say what he wanted to say and to get his message out. Tonight, God wants to talk to you. And I'm asking you tonight... When we pray and we seek God, do we know how to communicate with Him? Are we saying the right things? You know, if you're standing before the judge and, and you, you're being weighed in the balance, you want that lawyer to say the exact words that need to be said to move the heart of that judge, to move that jury to a your favor. When we're praying, do we know what to say? You know, we got books in our library praying the Word. We've got books that teach us how to communicate with God. Are we taking time to say this is an important subject? I need to communicate it well before God. My family is in this crisis. How do I communicate with God? I'm in this situation and I'm battling for my sanity. I'm battling for my health. I'm battling for my finance. I'm battling for my neighbor, my children, my co-worker, whatever it might be. Do we know how to communicate with God for Him to move in our situation? Or is it so generic that it would take a God to understand what's needed? I think it's worth our time to settle down for a moment with God and say, God, let me talk to you. I believe He would like that. I believe He would like that. Tonight, I want to take you to a prayer that David prayed. David was a warrior. He, he battled in the physical, and we battle in the spirit. Paul was a warrior, and he taught us, him and 
The Apostle Peter taught us how to battle in the Spirit. But tonight, if you would go with me to Psalms chapter 58. I'm not going to preach a long time tonight, but I want to take your attention to this. Because I feel the Lord still telling somebody, it's okay. It's okay. We just need to talk to Him, and we need to hear Him. Psalm 58, verse 6 through 11. Would you stand with me one more time? Brother Bailey, we're praying for you. We're praying for you that God just blesses your lungs. God blesses your health. Some friends of ours, the brother and sister Causey, they pastor in Georgia. We've been friends with them for quite some time. Went on vacation, I guess it was last week, and was exposed to COVID-19 and came back and tested positive. So they're now in quarantine. Uh, so be in prayer for that family as well. Psalms chapter 58, we're going to start kind of in the middle. There's only 11 verses, so we're going to start in verse 6. But if you want to read the entire chapter, go home and read that tonight. This is King James Version. But whenever you listen to the words, it almost sounds like some of the modern translations of the Scripture. Understand, David understood how to battle. He understood how to communicate with God. And one of the most important things is to find the will of God and then pray the will of God. Now, let me get that in your spirit because that's vitally important. Understand the will of God and then release God through prayer and your submission to His will for Him to fulfill His will. There's a beautiful song that has, I don't, I don't remember hearing it, too long ago as far as the timing of it coming out but the word said do what you are famous for and that's what we need to do is let God be famous let God do what he is famous for and us not hinder him or restrict him from doing it Psalms 58 verse 6 break their teeth oh God in their mouth break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be cut as in pieces. Verse 8, as a snail which melteth. Think about the prayer that David is praying in combating his enemy because he's petitioning God to be on his side and do what he's famous for. Let every one of them pass away like the untimely birth of a woman. We're not praying this against people, but we can certainly pray this against spiritual wickedness in high places that have people's hearts, mind bound, that they might that they may not see the sun before your pots can feel the thorns. He shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. Verse 10, the righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked 
Notice verse 11. I feel the Lord's wanting to say this to somebody in this sanctuary tonight. So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous. Verily he is a God that judgeth in the earth. Pray with me tonight. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we know that you are just. We know that you are righteous. We know that you know the injustice. We know that you see all things upon planet earth. We know that you see the very detail of every life. You are in the very fiber of our being. You know every portion of our life. I plead the blood of Jesus tonight, God, that you open our eyes to the fact that you are in the details of our life tonight. God, I want you to hear the prayer of this congregation. I want you to minister as only you can do and what you are famous for. God, allow us to submit to your will as we pray your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, have your way in the sanctuary tonight with revival. Have your way in the sanctuary tonight with strength and encouragement. Have your will in the sanctuary tonight to bring us to a place of righteousness and calling on your name. I plead the blood of Jesus, God, that you grant us a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirit. And speak into our hearts tonight a prophetic word, God. We love you and we honor you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to reread verse 11 from the New Living Translation. In verse 11 of chapter 58, the book of Psalms, it says... Then at last everyone will say, There truly is a reward for those who live for God. Could you accept that this afternoon in maybe your weariness, maybe you're battling, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're going through issues and circumstances, but I want to assure somebody tonight by the word of God that is forever settled in heaven, by the word of God that is an absolute, infallible, perfect, and never changing, by the word of God that declares with great declaration, there truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. Tonight as we think about the price that it cost us to live for God, I'm not talking about necessarily dollars and cents, but some of you all paid a price to be in this sanctuary tonight. Some of you all very well would have been able to, to make all excuse why you can't make this trip, you can't make this day, you can't make this hour, you couldn't be here tonight, but you, you got enough strength and you got enough fortitude about you that you just came on to do what you wanted to do, what you knew was right to do. But as we look around tonight and we see all the things that people go through here on earth, the struggles, the battles that rage in our life, the difficulties at home, the difficulties on the job, the difficulties with health, the difficulties financially, all the difficulties. We look around and we don't really know what price it's costing the individual sitting next to us to be in this sanctuary tonight and live for God. What is the price to live holy? What is the price to worship, to honor, to praise, to prayer? 
is the end result. When we tally up the final settlement, when it's all said and done, worth what you're having to pay. Amen? The sacrifices for you to live the way you live, the sacrifices that's demanded of you in this corrupt world, in this world of leisure, of this world of pleasure, of this world of sensuality, this world of, of perversion, this world that we're living in, is it worth you living holy when it's all settled, when the final payment comes in, is it worth what it's costing you to live for God? I can tell you this, it's very easy to get complacent and listen to the sweet melody of compromise. Very easy to be complacent in your relationship with not only God but with people. It is easy to listen to the critics that shout, it does not take all that. Do you remember when David retrieved the ark you know when he first tried to do this they had it on a cart and even with good intention when Jesus reaches out to steady the ark the command of the word of God was still there do not touch the ark and when he did he died and God demonstrated the fact that his word is absolute regardless and when David put the ark to the side for a a period of time whenever he said we're going to figure out how to do this we're going to learn how to do this what do we need to do because the ark and the will of God needs to be right here where we are we are God's chosen people and we want the will of God and we want the God of the ark so we notice whenever he retrieves this he would stop and he would worship and he would sacrifice but you know whenever he got almost back and he got maybe to the courtyard and he got to where his wife that was Saul's daughter could look out the window and see him, he disrobed himself with his kingly garments and began to dance before the Lord with all of his might. Think about this. You know what her reaction was? We're, we're talking about a lady that was judging him in his worship time. And when she judged him in his worship time, she said, it does not take all that. I'm asking you tonight, what does it take for you to worship God when he's moved in your situation? Is worship enough? Is worship enough based on how everybody else is doing it? Or should we be a David that looks around and says, I can't worship him with all this on. I need to disrobe myself. Not disrobing as, as one would think, but disrobing himself as his position and saying, God, I'm going to debase myself right now in worship and in praise and I'm going to make myself available to you. And when he did, he was judged that it does not take all this. And I have to believe sometimes on your job, your coworkers might think it doesn't take all that. As, as our students walk down hallways, the, 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 their peers might say it doesn't take all that. But I'm asking you tonight, is what you having to pay, the price that you're having to pay, is it worth the end result? 
we look at a prayer of David, a warrior. David understood warfare. He understood righteousness. He understood the justice of God. And I believe that if you're going to communicate God, with God, then you need to learn and understand a few things about God. Can I get an amen? I have heard people try to communicate with somebody and they're trying to tell that individual a certain thing and that other individual responds, you don't know anything about me. Amen? Well, this is my evaluation. I'm looking and I'm seeing and this is how I evaluate the situation and they're saying, you don't know anything about me. But what we've got is a great, Word from the throne room of heaven that we can learn him. And I believe that if you can learn some things of God and begin to pray his will, you're going to move God and God's going to move in your situation and God's going to move in your favor. So we find this great man of God that understood justice and he understood God and he understood righteousness and he understood warfare. And what David was saying is I can't defeat this enemy. I've got to get God. Anybody in here tonight feels like that you cannot defeat the enemy that you're battling right now and you got to get God. And if you're here in this room tonight or watching our live stream, wherever you might be, and you feel in your spirit, I'm battling and I'm growing weary and I've got to have help. Notice, David understood warfare with man. You and I have got to understand warfare with spirit. Amen. And it might be in your house. It might be in your children. I'm not talking about possessions. I'm talking about the fact that spiritual wickedness wants to attach itself and wants to disrupt and wants to create chaos and wants to create problems and struggles and battles. So we've got to use the power of prayer to break down the strongholds of hell. If we understand we're at war, not with flesh but with spirit, notice he said break their teeth, O God. In their mouth, break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. I want your arrow to hit the mark. We read the other night where the prayer was, hit them where it hurts the most. Prayers of saying, God, I want you to get this out of my family. God, I want you to remove this from my home. I want you to remove this from what is attached to me that's tormenting my mind. God, I want you to remove this from my health issue. I want you to remove this from my children. I want to speak the right word over my children as I walk by their bedroom. I want to speak prophetically over my children in their ministry and who they're going to be and what they're going to do and how they're going to live speaking prophetically in the name of Jesus in the power of prayer and in the unction of the Holy Ghost the strongholds that the Bible calls strongholds I believe they're all around us in this last day 
Amen. I believe they're all around us. We see our nation, we see our communities battling every day. Here's what we got to understand. We're the light in this dark world. Amen. Can you accept that? That's scriptural. We are the light. In other words, we are the hope. Not we as an individual, but we as a body of Christ. We are the hope. Amen. Nehemiah was in a unique place. He was in the palace. He was a cupbearer. Everybody else may have been on a chain gang. Everybody else may have been digging ditches. Everybody else may have been making brick, but he was in the palace. He was carrying the tray. Here's your drink. Did you test it? It's good stuff. Came in with a smile. Good stuff. Everything's great. Cupbearer. And he asked this question that disrupted his world you see if you're digging the ditch and whips are coming across your back you're probably praying God get me out of this God get me out of this but I have to believe that if you're in bondage and you're in the palace and you're the cupbearer you're probably better off than most but he asked this crazy question he said how's home and they said, everything's falling apart. The walls are down. The house has been burnt. Everything's a disaster. And God said, Nehemiah, you're the man. Nehemiah, you're the man. And he begins to weep. And he begins to pray. And he begins to fast. And he begins to seek the presence of God to where now when he comes before the king, he can bring the cup, he can hand it to the king, but he can't do it with a smile on his face because the burden of the Lord removed the smile from his face because he was uncomfortable. He was not at peace anymore. I may have it better off in, in the palace than all the hard workers out there, but I'm uncomfortable. I cannot live like this. I cannot stay in the palace and drink the cup that the king drinks from without this burden upon my heart. God, you got to intervene. And all of a sudden, the, the, the almighty God that laid that burden on his heart began to open the door room so that he could walk out of the palace and into the workforce and I believe God's wanting somebody to get out of the palace and I believe somebody want, God's wanting somebody to get out of the comfort zone and, and just get out of their leisure and get out of their, their sitting in the house and get into the workforce and say God I've got to do something for your kingdom it's eating at me it's, it's, it's keeping me up and I believe this is the will of God for us to feel the anointing of God and, and to feel the power of God and it may come through discomfort and it may come through the time of where we're saying I I don't like this and God's saying this is pushing you to prayer I want you to understand God sees the details of my life and he sees yours and I want you to notice in Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10 probably familiar to most of you all 
They were in crisis. They were in bondage. They were struggling. They felt maybe many of them felt God had turned his back on them, that God never was not hearing them. Say ye to the righteous. Isaiah the prophet, speak on my behalf. Say ye to the righteous. Tell my people, it shall be well with him. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. As we look and try to understand the day we live and what is on the horizon for the church, as we look out and we see turmoil and we see struggles and we see all the things going on, I want you to understand that many of the prophecies of the Old Testament was fulfilled at the birth of Jesus Christ. I have to believe whenever the apostle Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and he said unto them what the prophet Joel said, God said unto them, right? God said in the last day he would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. So as we look at these prophecies being fulfilled as you and I stand in this place tonight sit in this sanctuary tonight we have to believe that 2,000 years ago the prophecy of Joel was fulfilled in the book of Acts and it was the last days according to the word of God what is the next big event on church calendar You ever saw a mama get a baby to sleep, patting her on the back, him on the back, singing gently and softly? Can I tell you tonight that's exactly what hell's trying to do to the church? I'm not saying a local assembly, ours, but us too. But he's wanting to pat us on the back and get us so caught up in the world today. Not the sin of the world, we wouldn't do that, but the busyness of the world. The McCameys sang a song years ago that I'll probably never forget. And they were, they were singing the song, We're not trying to change any hearts. We're just getting used to the dark. And if not careful, even the church that loves God and loves people, we will get so caught up that we don't feel the sting of the sin that's out there and we don't feel the burden of witnessing and being the light we need to be. And, the, and all the people just kind of come together. And I believe the time for revival is today. And I, I, we, can, we can argue the point of a great falling away. But I don't believe that it has to be me. It doesn't have to be you. And I don't believe it has to be your co-worker. And it doesn't have to be your family and your children. I believe we can have revival. I believe that we're living in the last day. And I believe the will of God is for this church to be full. I believe the will of God is that no man should perish. That everybody come to a place of repentance. I believe the will of God is to remove the claws of the enemy from our life. So that we can have revival in our home, in our marriage, in our family, in our children, in our finance, in our mindset, we can have revival of peace and revival of the Holy Ghost. But it seems as if, if you follow church calendars, that every 2,000 years something major happens from the creation to the flood to the birth and death of Jesus Christ. And now here we are 2,000 years later 
And Isaiah said, say to the righteous, it is well. Noah's day was considered as a day where man's heart was on wickedness continually, according to Scripture. Men's hearts were evil, and the flood destroyed all humanity except Noah and his family. So if Isaiah had written that before the day of Noah, he would have said to Noah, it is well. Amen. The flood's destroying everything around, but unto Noah, unto the righteous, it shall be well. You understand the plagues that Israel faced in Egypt. They were there during the plagues. We understand the last plague that was poured out on Pharaoh and the Egyptian people was the death of the firstborn. Moses spoke to the leadership, the family, the husband, the dad, and he said, apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost, right? And the death angel came, and there was a scream in that land like never before. But if Isaiah could have been there to prophesy and speak into the people of Moses' day, he would have said to the righteous, it is well. Amen. Think about where we are today and all the corruption of the world and things that's going on. I believe that God is saying to somebody even today, it is well. When they came out of the bondage of the Egyptians and they were traveling and they sent the spies out, ten spies come back and said, we cannot, we're going to die. But after 40 years, Joshua and Caleb walks into the land promised and if Isaiah could have wrote that to them, he would have said to Joshua and Caleb, it is well. So I'm telling somebody in this sanctuary tonight, keep on doing what's getting the attention of God because it is well. You may be struggling physically. You may be struggling spiritually. You may be struggling mentally. You may be struggling in any, many areas of life, but I'm telling you, it is well because God is going to see and God is going to answer and God is going to move and God is going to bless. Everything we do is about timing and God's timing is perfect and he said through the prophet, it is well. They're in bondage. They're in slavery. They've lost their home. They've lost their family. They've lost so much. But he's saying to the people, it is well. Luke records in chapter 6, verse 47 and 40 through 49, Jesus speaking this to the people, whosoever cometh to me, heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. If I could get the attention of every person in here tonight, this is a word of God. Luke recorded Jesus. Whosoever cometh to me, and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house, dig deep, laid the foundation on a rock, and when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, 
saint of God, it didn't say that it almost fell. He said it could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently. Immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I believe I'm talking to people tonight that's willing to dig and you're willing to get into the word and you're willing to get on a foundation that's solid and you're willing to do what thus saith the Lord and you're willing to have your house stand whenever the enemy is coming against the church and all the things of the world is shaking right now. And I'm saying to somebody in this sanctuary or watching tonight, it is well. One of the most popular psalms that's written is psalms most recognizable is Psalms 23. And I want you to notice how it's written by this man that said, break their teeth. God, I'm asking you to deal with my enemies very harshly. I'm asking you to deal with them because they are as a lion devouring me and I want you on my side, you deal with the issue. But notice in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All of us in here have played follow the leader. I would think every one of us, if you can remember back 60 years ago, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, however long it may have been, you played follow the leader. That's what David is saying. God is leading me. I'm listening. He's a communicator. Can I get an amen? God's a communicator. I'm listening, and he's leading me. I wanted to go this way, and he said, not today. Let's go this way, and he's leading me. I thought this was the right way. I thought I had my hopes up. Man, I thought this was the right thing. I thought this was going to work out perfect. And God said, not today. And he leads me. You see, we can get so frustrated and so aggravated and so tormented and so upset that we just throw our hands up and say, I give. This is not worth it. This is not worth me staying in the relationship with God. This is not worth my time. This is not worth the effort. This is not worth the price that it costs me to live for God. But if we will step back for a moment and just listen to the voice of David, he's saying he's leading me and I'm following. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod, thy staff. They comfort me, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, verse 6, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe he covered about every situation you and I are going to be in. He covered the valleys. He covered the enemies. He covered the shadows of death. He covered all this. And whatever came David's way, he knew God was in control and he was hearing the prophets say, say to the righteous, it is well. It is well. I don't believe this is a universal statement. 
that Isaiah was speaking. I don't believe the average person can just pick this up and say, I think it's going to be all right. This is written by a man that was chosen by God and was flowing and following hard after God. Many people, times people go through difficulties and they will pull a scripture out and apply it to their situation. But I believe somewhere you've got to step back and say, he is writing this to the righteous. And I'm living for God. And I'm living righteous for God. And I'm living hard for God. And I'm living to hear his voice. And I'm living to worship him. And he's saying to that individual, it is well. Our nation, as young as our nation is, you can go through your history books, American history, and see the wars, the rumors of wars, see the difficulties, you can see the depression, you can see the outbreaks of deadly diseases. As of today, In the United States, 2,255,119 cases of the coronavirus. Yesterday, just yesterday, there was 32,543 people added to that list. In one day, in the United States, 32,000 people were tested positive for this disease. 119,719 deaths in the United States. Almost a half million people globally in six months. 464,752 deaths globally. The Watts family spoke of the difficulties in Asia. We know about the Great Depressions. We know about the struggle and hardships of our day. We see the pandemics, we see the deterioration of, of all the morals of our day. We see things that's going on that has never been seen in our, in our nation before. And God is saying to somebody tonight, it is well. It is well. And I have to believe that the church is the answer. I have to believe that the church prayer is the answer. I have to believe that the church in battle over souls that are lost, over pandemics that are going on, over the battle for our nation's purity, I believe the church is the answer. The prayer we pray is the answer. The anointing of the Holy Ghost upon our life is the answer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You see, we've got a trump card. But I believe we need to understand we've got work to do before this. I would not have you to be ignorant. Verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. We're dealing with people that have no hope. I'm pleading with you tonight in Jesus' name. Let's get tanked up on the Holy Ghost. Let's get tanked up on the Word of God and say, God, use me. 
God, let me pray the right prayer to move you in our situation. God, let me pray the right prayer to bring revival in our church, bring revival to our pews, bring revival to our homes and our marriages and our children and our family and our coworkers. Bring revival. God, let me say the right thing. There, we're dealing with people that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Could we accept tonight, and I'm not prophesying, I'm just asking a question. Could we think tonight how wonderful it would be if we are this group that the Apostle Paul is talking about? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You see, the apostle Paul took the prophecy of Joel serious when he considered that the last day, and he said, we're going to be alive. We're going to be alive when the Lord comes back. So we... Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Tell my people, Audie, when you go to church tonight, when you stand before people that have difficulties in their life, you tell my people, it is well. Stand with me tonight. Paul said, Then we, that may be you, that may be me, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. We're going to go home, and we're going to be with the Lord forever. So the Apostle Paul was dealing with false doctrine. The Apostle Paul was dealing with people that didn't believe in the rapture, didn't believe that it was going to happen or it already happened. And he explained to them how this is going to work. And he said, tell people this and comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. We don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with worry about the end time. You do not have to worry about death. Can you, can you accept that tonight? Of uh, this unique position and place we're in in our relationship with God that I don't have to worry about provisions. He's going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about if I die in my sleep, He's going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about the tribulation. He's going to take care of me. This unique place the church body's in and he's saying to the righteous it is well it is well 
And the enemy wants to get right here and torment our minds to where we have no peace and we have no joy and we're troubled. And God said, it is well. It is well. So I'm asking you tonight, don't be a hearer only. Be a doer. Be a doer of the word. And then you can say to the people, the word of God said, it is well. It is well. I want us to pray tonight, and I don't, you may not want to pray for yourself tonight, but I'm pleading with you tonight. Let's make this a salvation station. Let's make this a revival center. We're, we're missing a lot of people tonight that should be here. But there's a lot of people that may have a, an opinion about this church that's not accurate. And we need to change that opinion. Amen. We got people in our community that may think this is a warehouse. May think it's something else. We've got a big cross out there that's trying to identify and it's a church sign out there that says it's not. But I have to believe that if we can promote this through the power of God and 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 put the information in their hands, just go on YouTube and watch. You can visit our service before you ever come in the door. Go watch. Go see. Taste and see, if you will. Let's have the burden Nehemiah had to rebuild. Let's have that burden to say, God, this thing's not all about me. You've got me. It's well. Let me minister to others. Let me be that light. So I'm asking you tonight as you come, let's pray. And I'm praying for you and I'm praying for me. I'm praying for me because i got to get this thing right. God, give us a burden for the lost. God, give us a burden for the church. Give us a burden for the community. In Jesus' name.